You're listening to Nightlife with Suzanne Hill on ABC Radio and on the ABC Listen app. My guest tonight is renowned for his mixing of blues and Eastern music traditions. If you're a fan of Canadian singer-songwriter Harry Manx, you'll know what I mean. But have a listen to this. She called me up down in El Paso. Come on, Daddy, oh, Lord, I need you so. She's gone, but I, I don't worry, no, just I'm sitting on top of the from Harry's 2004 album called Eats Me, East Meets West, uh, a bit of sitting on top of the world, which I know we played a lot on ABC Radio back then. Uh, the original song was actually recorded in the 1930s by the Mississippi Shakes, but it's done in the style that Harry calls Indian bluegrass. Now, Harry was born on the Isle of Man. He spent his childhood in Canada. He's been to Australia no less than 11 times since 2001. He's coming back again to play Blues Fest over Easter. He's chosen some of his favourite songs to play for you tonight. Hello, Harry. Welcome to Nightlife. Oh, thank you very much, dear. It's great to be on your show. Now, that's a lot of tours to Australia. Why do you keep coming back? It's not so much that I chose the place as the place perhaps chose me. Uh, I keep getting invitations to festivals, and uh, so I started to play the circuit around Australia. It's great. I just love it. So I mentioned you were born on the Isle of Man, and that actually makes you a, a Manx Manx, doesn't it? That's right. Sure does. <laughs> so tell me about, do you have some memories from there? Because I know you moved to Canada when you were fairly young. Yeah, I, I don't remember much. You know, the Isle of Man is famous for its motorcycle races, the tourist trophy, the TT races. And uh, they used to race right past our house uh, when I was a kid. So uh, that's the only memory I really have of the place. You know, later in life, I went back there and performed and uh the, the hall I played at was just packed. And after the first number, a guy stood up and said, welcome back, Harry. I loved it. <laughs> and you live on an island now. Tell us about that. Yeah, I live on Salt Spring Island just outside of Vancouver. And uh, it's a small place. It's uh, nice and quiet. You know, after coming in off the road, it's really good to just lay back in the country a little bit here. And... Uh, I don't have much to do when I'm home. I walk the dog, I feed the cats, you know, just like that. Where you were growing up, Harry, I think you moved to Canada, as I said, when you were about seven. What was the kind of music you were listening to as you were growing up? What were your parents playing? Oh, they, you know, my parents weren't really into music at all, really. You know, we heard some pop music around the house from my older brother during the, uh, you know, the 60s. And then we heard the Beatles, of course, and, uh, you know, uh, all the rock that started coming out after that. But uh, I think for me, uh, I got into the blues pretty early. And and back in the, in the 60s, there was a lot more blues around. Most of the clubs were having blues around uh, Toronto. 
and so I got into blues and I, I, I saw some great blues acts and I, and I caught the feeling for playing. So what was it about the blues that appealed to you so much? Well, it seems to be, uh, for lack of a better word, honest music. I don't know how to explain that exactly. It's just that it's sort of straight up, you know. It, it's, it grew out of people's struggle. So there was a lot of passion from the beginning in the music. And, um, you know, it became something different as it evolved over the years. But uh, still, there's something in there that, you know, it, it's not the, the blues is not the, the illness. It's the cure, in fact. So uh, when you hear some blues music, your, your toe starts tapping, you know, before you know it. And away you go. So do you remember the first, in fact, we're going to play Mean Town Blues by Johnny Winter. That's the first record you bought, I think. Do you remember hearing it for the first time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, that was his very first album. And uh, when I heard what he was doing, that's it. It, it destroyed my life <laughs> in the best possible way. No, it gave me some ambition to, to play music. All right, let's have a listen. Johnny Winter and Mean Town Blues. Johnny Winter and Mean Town Blues, one of the tracks being played for you tonight by my guest, uh, musician Harry Max, will be back in Australia uh, playing at Blues Fest before too long. And Harry, that was 1968, uh, I think, Mean Town Blues. You were born in 55, so you were a youngster when you, 13 years old when you bought that one. Were you out in those clubs in Toronto a bit underage? I was actually, yeah. I, um, I got into a matinee at the uh, a club downtown Toronto and I saw a buddy guy, Junior Wells. I was 15. So the bouncer, you know, uh, he said, okay, just stay close by the door, but don't go in too far. So I, I was sat there and, and watched those guys. I was on the scene pretty early, uh, trouble at home, you know, it, it catapulted me out into the world. So um, that, you know, in retrospect, it wasn't a bad thing. And so when did you start playing instruments? I started at 15 when I, I left my home. Um, I moved to the city. I started playing the guitar and working with bands uh, as a sound man, a roadie, and I did that for five years or so. Eventually working in a blues club, that's where I got to see a lot of the great players. So at 15, you, you, well, you hadn't had musical training until then, but you're seeing these musos perform in Toronto and somehow get a, got a job in the industry. Is that how it went to, to support yeah. yourself? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it exactly. You know, you know uh, schlepping gear and, and setting up sound systems and all that stuff. Yeah, that paid the rent while I tried to learn to play the guitar. Uh, Harry Manx is here. Now the next tune you're going to play for us, Harry, is Got My Mojo Working by Muddy Water. Why are we hearing this one? Oh, you know, it's just, it's such a, a jump, this this uh, this song. It's so bouncy, it's so happy, it's so right on. It, it's, a, it's, it's classic Muddy Water.
Got my mojo working, Muddy Waters. Harry Manx is here, and Harry, you're right. That is very bouncy. I don't know how anybody could listen to that and not not get moving. <laughs> That's Muddy Waters. Yeah, love it. Yeah, Suzanne Hill here with you on this Saturday night, Nightlife on ABC Radio. Harry Manx is here. He's playing Blues Fest, uh, but also a whole lot of other uh, locations in Australia in March and April. Uh, Canberra, Bulai, Avoca, Newcastle, Frio, Adelaide, uh, Hepburn Springs, Melbourne, Byron Bay, Sydney, and uh, the Way Out West Roots Music Club. I'm not even sure where that is. Oh, and in the Blue Mountains as well. Gosh, you've been here so many times. You must have played so many of these different locations before, <laughs> Harry. It all sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anywhere you're going for the first time? Uh, there's always a few places, you know, that, that everything changes over time. I try to, to uh, do a big circle on the planet. Like every two years, I visit, revisit places. That's my my usual routine. Well, you are a very well-traveled man. I mean, I know you've lived in Japan, um, traveled in India, and I want to hear a a bit more about that. So, uh, uh, you know, the 15-year-old roadie who's trying to learn the the guitar and then the harmonica, when did that begin something that you could actually make your own living as a musician? Oh, uh, when I was uh, 20, I went from Canada to uh, Europe. I went to Paris and uh, I started uh, playing on the street guitar and harmonica. You know, I was around Europe a long time. That grew into a kind of a one-man band thing. And uh, I traveled Europe up and down, playing the streets, and then eventually working with agents. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I went to the street with my act. Oh, well, the streets got you where you are today. They must have loved you, Harry. Um, yeah. Tell me about going to live in Japan then. When, when did that come along? Oh, you know, I was... Uh, in India, I, I met a Japanese woman. She invited me over there to Tokyo. And uh, so I went there, and I, I was nine years there, uh, busking, basically, and, and working with agencies, uh, clubs and stuff, but uh, uh, having a good life. And uh, I started. it was there that I started to play the slide guitar because I had a lot of time on my hands. And uh, so I started to try to figure out how to play in my lap which is how I play the guitar now. And uh, slowly, slowly, I started to get a grip on it. So playing in Japan, were you also busking in Japan, sitting on the streets? Is that something that's as common in Japan as it is is in other parts of the world? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And quite often it's a foreigner doing it because, you know, uh, there's not many jobs that (laughs) a lot of us could do in Japan, but uh, playing music is one of them for sure. All right, so so the act was appreciated. Oh yeah, I did very well. I lived there many years, uh, and uh, it, it was it's a chance when you play on the street. It's a chance to kind of hone your craft. You know, um, you have to use that that moment to sort of uh, figure out how to hold a crowd because if you don't hold them uh, with what you're doing, they just pass by, and you you don't eat well that day. So <laughs> you quickly want to sort out how to work a crowd. And that's good training for anybody, you know. I didn't step on the stage without first being on the street for 20 years. Is that, I mean, I'm just wondering, when you see artists who never had that experience working on the street, I mean, what do you think that gives you that other artists don't don't get and don't bring to the stage? I'm not sure, really. There's something edgier sometimes about street acts, you know. Uh, There's a kind of rebelliousness in, in doing your own thing on the street like you're not nobody tells you when to play and what to play so that somehow is reflected in the music sometimes you know there's a kind of a spirit in it 
in the music that uh, is a, a sum of all the experiences that musician has had, maybe on the street or maybe studying in a music school. You, in India, they always say you can hear the musician in the music. So your past is sort of coming through the songs even. Harry Manx is here on a Nightlife bringing you his personal playlist. Up next, we have Wang Dang Doodle from Coco Taylor. Not a track I'm familiar with. Tell us about this and, and about Coco Taylor. Yeah, she's one of the, the blues artists from the Chicago scene of the 60s, Willie Dixon, Muddy Waters, all these guys. Coco Taylor uh, would just tear the house down with a groove. I saw her play a couple of times. Yeah, she confirmed to me that the groove is really everything. Wang Dang Doodle, Coco Taylor, you're on Nightlife with Susanna Hill on this Saturday night. My special guest is Harry Manx. He'll be back in Australia in March and April this year. I mean, you mentioned Coco Taylor was from Chicago, Harry. I guess in Toronto in the 70s, you got um, so many of the American bands coming and playing in Toronto. Yes, and a lot of those guys which we now like uh, hold up as, as kind of, uh, you know, the founders of uh, electric blues those guys would come to Toronto and play in clubs. I would see them, you know, it wouldn't cost much to get in. Muddy Waters, you know, Willie Dixon, all these guys. And also a buddy guy, Junior Wells. Uh, I saw those two playing in 1970, and uh, they were pretty young guys, uh, and they were just tearing it up. I really was so impressed with them. You've got one of their songs next, uh, Messing with the Kid. Were there a lot of local Toronto Canadian blues artists performing as well, or was that influence mainly coming from the, the U.S. musicians? Uh, there was a lot of blues bands in, in Toronto. We were uh, kind of, well, the centre of music in Canada at those times, maybe still, uh, but there was a tremendous amount of interest in blues um, because uh, blues was everywhere. Led Zeppelin was playing blues. Uh, the Beatles were playing every blues was everywhere. Oh, let's play Buddy Guy Junior Wells messing with the kid. What you say hell going on around town? The people say you're gonna put the kid down. Oh, look at what you did. You can call. Buddy Guy and Junior Wells messing with the kid. Harry Manx is here with you on this Saturday night on Nightlife. Suzanne Hill with you on ABC Radio. I'd say it was a conversion to blues, not just your personal playlist, but I know there's a, a little bit later on which will be a little bit different too, Harry. You said um, Toronto in the 70s, lots of lots of blues centre of music. What about today? I know you live in British Columbia now, but do, what's going on in Toronto? Is there a big blues scene there now? Oh yes, definitely. That's that's where it happens, you know. Uh, every year that we have a kind of blues awards here, uh, where we, uh, you know, get together and and people will play and they'll receive awards for, you know, guitar playing or singing, whatever. And every two years we have a kind of a summit, which is somewhat international, where we invite uh, people 
from other countries uh, to see the Blues Acts that are here and to make connections with other countries. So, uh, yeah, there's quite a scene around the Blues in Canada. And you're very much a part of that, Harry. Now, uh, John Mayall, all your love. I understand you actually wore out your copy of a John Mayall album. I did indeed. John Mayall, you know, a very unlikely fellow to become a major blues artist. But, you know, he was, uh, he grew up, I think he was in the military for a long time. And then he took up piano and he had a love for the blues. So, but, you know, he made some great music and actually still continues to make some great music, John Mayall. I just love him. And this is All My, All Your Love. you're enjoying the music that uh, Canadian singer-songwriter Harry Manx has programmed for you tonight, Night Lifers. Uh, it was All Your Love from John Mayle. And, uh, yeah, Harry wore out one of John Mayle's albums. Uh, Harry, I will get to talk to you, I'll ask you shortly, about those Indian influences that have actually been so important in your work. But we've got one more <laughs> classic song, Jeff Beck, who actually died January 2023. Um, tell us about your love for Jeff Beck. Well, I, I in the 70s, when he, shortly after he put out Blow by Blow, uh, he did a tour in Canada, and I was lucky enough to be part of the sound crew on that. So I, I saw him close up, and till then I didn't really follow what he was doing. But what I realized later on is that his guitar playing is very unique in that he tries or he makes the guitar sound like a human voice. And in India, that's what you do with the slide guitar. You try to emulate the uh, the vocal style. So it's interesting that Jeff Beck did something very similar to, to that. Um, I'm not sure he was aware he was playing like that, but it turned me on to no end. I love the way he played. So the track is because we've ended as lovers. Can we hear that in this in this track? I think so. I think he, you can hear the crying. Yeah, he makes the guitar cry. Jeff Beck making the guitar cry. It's because we've ended as lovers. Uh, a choice for you tonight from my guest, Canadian singer-songwriter Harry Manx, who will be in Australia in March and April uh, across uh, quite a bit of the country. Let's see, Canberra, Bulleye, Avoca, Newcastle, Fremantle, Adelaide, Hepburn Springs, Melbourne, Byron, Sydney, Blue Mountains, and apparently some more to be announced. Um, so, Harry, we, we're going to play some of the music that reflects this kind of mix between East and West that you've become so well known for. Tell me about how you first came across uh, Vishwa Mohan Bhatt, who became a, was your teacher um, in India for many years. Yes, um, 
I first went to India in 79 and I stayed a year and I loved it. So I thought I'll, I'll come back. I had to leave, but I thought I'll come back. So I went in 86 and um, I stayed like the better part of 12 years. Um, I was living in, in Maharashtra for a long time and I, I heard about Vishwa Mohan Bhatt that he'd started to play this, that he played the, the slide guitar, much like uh, I was doing. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't know much about him. I got his contact. I, I phoned him up. I went up to Rajasthan where he was living and uh, I became his student and I stayed with him about five years. And he really, uh, he he took me down to the very basics of, of the music and and worked with me to, to learn ragas and, and also to learn how to play the Indian slide guitar. It's called the uh, Mohan Veena. It has uh, 20 strings. Uh, and it's pretty much just a, like a sitar. Hmm. So uh, that was my journey. Um, and it wasn't, uh, I, at that point, I wasn't interested in mixing mu- East and West music. I was just really digging deep into the Eastern music and loving it. So explain what a raga is exactly. You, you said you had to learn how to how to create them, how to play them. What is one exactly? Well, it's a piece of music, you know, much like a classical music piece in the West. Um, uh, the thing about ragas is each raga has its own particular characteristics, like um, it has this particular order of the notes. It's not just the notes, it's the order of the notes. And it also has a certain quality or mood every raga, like some are meant for playing in the morning, some late at night. And you can tell by the notes that they reflect, you know, uh, a very peaceful morning time or very excited kind of almost agitated kind of music from late in the night they they've discovered a lot over the thousands of years of playing ragas and uh and so each ragi you learn has you have to know the order of the notes and uh, a raga can last 45 minutes it has different stages you know the be, the very uh, beginning a lap without rhythm and then different stages of rhythm and it gets very fiery the way Indian musicians play, it's totally fiery. It takes you, know, it takes you up there, wherever there is. So, uh, when do ragas traditionally get played in India? There's this long tradition of them. What sort of occasions would a raga be played? Oh well, in concert. They're based. I mean, it's also used, you know, in religious ceremonies. That kind of music, but uh, in concert, they have concerts, and generally those concerts start at midnight or one in the morning because. It's really the only quiet time <laughs> in many places. So uh, they're very late at night. I toured with Vishwa Mohan Bhatt many years, and we did uh, concerts around the country. And mostly we would start at 1 or 2 in the morning and play for a few hours. Um, Gosh, that'll throw the body clock right out of right out of loop, even for a muso. I, I was paying my dues. I was paying my dues. <laughs> and so, was was it during that period that you started linking the kind of you know Eastern and, and Western music together, or did that was that still to come? That was still to come. I never really had that idea, you know, uh, but I did know that I had a passion for blues, and, and I was very much loving this uh, learning ragas. Um, just there was no, I couldn't see any common theme between them, you know, I common points. But eventually I started to see that, oh, this particular raga has the same set of notes as a blues scale. And it would be just a little jump for 
from playing like blues to playing like Indian music. So I started an experiment with that. When I did it at at my teacher's place uh, with the other students there, they laughed. <laughs> they laughed a lot. They were rolling on the floor. They couldn't believe I, what I was doing with their music. <laughs> but, you know, I, I realized that... Uh, what I am musically is a, is a mixture of the blues and the Indian stuff. I'm not purely a, a musician of Indian music, and uh, I never intended to be, but uh, I had a great love for it. Yeah, well, as you said, you can hear the musician through the music, and this all just reflects the amazing life journey that you've had living in so many different places and you know, sometimes self-taught and sometimes taught by other people. Now, I know that um, Vishwa Mohan Bhatt created this instrument called the Mohan Veena. Just tell us about that. Yes, he, t- he took a, a six-string guitar, and he said the sound was a little lonely, so he put another 14 strings on there, more on top to play with the slide bar and a second layer of sympathetic strings, which like a sitar has. The sympathetics, you don't play them, but they sing when you play the top strings in tune. The, the sympathetics just sing by themselves. That's where you get that lovely uh, East Indian sound. And so I think the only piece, because it's quite long that we actually have time left for, is to play a piece in which we will hear Vishwa Mohan Bhatt, a meeting by the river, it's called. Uh, it features Raikuda, doesn't it, Harry? Yes. You know, I was living with Vishwa during the time he made this. Uh, he, uh, I drove him to the uh, bus station and then he went to Delhi to catch a plane to California. And, and there he met Raikuda and made that record and then came back home. <laughs> so uh, this music touches me very much. Settle in. And Harry, this is where we say goodbye. Can I thank you so much for your time on Nightlife tonight? We'll see you in Australia soon. Thank you very much. My pleasure. A VM bat and Rai Kuda. It's called A Meeting by the River.